I will never write a single line which I have not first felt in my own heart. He'll teach you everything. Truer words were never spoken. All right. Language and writing were made available. I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. Let's call this one a very special episode of John Helps You Write Better because this one is entirely going over on Medium. Medium is where I infrequently blog because the majority of the stuff I do is now shifted over to the podcast and the Substack. But I still have an audience over in Medium and they still ask me questions. And today I've got one of those questions. Hey, can you walk me through, ask the question, the entire submissions process? So let's do that. Let's go through the entire submissions process, but I actually want to start pre-submission because I want to start talking about the work. So let's go soup to nuts the entire process from I want to write a book all the way through, hey, look, there's my book available for sale. Here we go. We have a problem, though. I don't know what you're writing. I don't know the genre. I don't know if it's fiction or nonfiction. I have no idea. So I have to speak in generalities to get us started. I have to talk about this stuff in terms of sort of big, broad ranges of numbers, but we will eventually get more specific no matter what it is you're making. So if you're writing fiction, any genre, chances are you're aiming for a manuscript somewhere between 75,000 and 100,000 words. That is a pretty big swath of space that absolutely encompasses the majority of the genres most people tend to write in. That'll cover you for mystery. That'll cover you for romance. That'll cover you for science fiction. That'll cover you for fantasy. That'll cover you for just about anything outside of an instructional thing like a cookbook. 75 to 100,000. Now, if you're writing nonfiction, like we're going to teach people things by making stuff or doing stuff or whatever, you get a slightly different range, probably in the 70,000-ish, but we'll round up to 70,000, 70,000 to maybe 110, 120,000, depending on the complexity of what it is you're trying to teach, explain, show, walk through, memoir, biography, anything like that. That range covers most bases. Are there exceptions? Sure. Do those exceptions matter right now for this discussion? No. The most important thing is you've got this idea mapped out and written out at roughly that size. You're going to do that for a draft, second draft, third draft, however many drafts, just more than one. The number of drafts doesn't really matter. Nobody keeps score. I know social media talks about or gives the impression that fewer drafts is better, but um, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter. No one cares. Publishers don't care how many drafts it took. Readers don't care how many drafts it took. It, it just matters that you finish. So what we're going to assume is that you've written some number of drafts, and we have reached a point where the thing is finalized. You have done Everything you can do to it that you could think of, you have revised it, you have rewritten it, you have polished it, you have added in all the bells and whistles and ice cream, whipped cream on the Sunday possible. You've done the best you can. What's your next step? Okay, we've got a couple. Before we can even decide what kind of publishing we want to do, we need to make sure this file turns into a manuscript. 
And to do that, we're going to bring in two separate things. One, we're going to bring in some beta readers. And two, we're going to get it professionally edited some way, shape, or form. First, let's start with the beta readers. This is some number of people, one, two, three, five, seventy, a million. Doesn't really matter how many, although I'm going to tell you one to three is more than enough. And their job is to basically act like readers, not copy editors, not critique partners, not co-authors. They're functioning as readers. They're reading the book in advance of everybody else reading the book. And you're hoping to get feedback from them to tell you what works and what doesn't when it comes to the book itself. You don't need them to add your commas or double check your semicolons. That's somebody else's job. And anytime you farm it off to a beta reader, especially if you do it for free, you are stealing a job from somebody who benefits from it and you're exploiting the beta reader whose stuff you've asked, whose help you've asked for. That's a really shitty position to be in. Don't do that. So instead, ask your beta readers just to function like readers. Ideally, we're going to pay these people in some way, shape, or form, be it, you know, some money or lunch or both or this or that. You're going to take care of those beta readers and not just say thanks so much and call it a day. One of the reasons we're going to do that is because beta reading is hard work. And the other reason we're going to do that is because we're encouraging them to give us feedback, not just, oh, it was nice, I liked it, or, oh, this was really good, it's okay. Not, not pat you on the head feedback, actual feedback we can use, which means we as the author need to generate a list of questions, specific things that we're wondering about. What, not just what was your favorite part of the book or did you think this character was funny, but more like, did you understand the plot twist? What do you think the themes of the piece were? Did you enjoy the flashback? Would it have made more sense to move... Uh, any chapter in a different order? Can you think of any scene that didn't need to be there? You're wanting to ask very specific questions about the stuff you as an author feel shaky on, possibly a little weak on, so that the feedback addresses it. This way you're not bombarded with bajillions of pieces of feedback that ultimately don't go anywhere. Like, it was nice, I liked it. Because while that is nice to hear, it doesn't help us turn the story into a better manuscript. It's just sort of nice and then you shrug and move on with your day and we want something more actionable so you solicit your feedback from your beta readers now with that feedback in mind you don't have to apply all of it you can pick and choose the things you want and you can pick and choose the degrees to which you apply it we're going to assume you're applying some not all but some you pick and choose a few spots people raise some good points about how you've written something you straighten it out once that's done, and once you apply their feedback into a, another round of revisions, clean up the manuscript, get it all nice, neat, and pretty, it's time to go look for an editor. Now, I know what you're probably about to tell me, but yeah, but won't the publisher edit my stuff? And the answer is yes. If you go traditional publishing, yes, they will edit your stuff. However, they're not editing your stuff with the goal of let's make you a better writer, they're editing your stuff for the sense of how quickly can we turn this around and get it on shelves? How quickly can we take a manuscript and make it a product? That is publisher editing. That is not going to help you succeed long term. It's disinterested in you succeeding long term. It doesn't care about you. 
And besides, we want to make this process for you, the author, going forward as smooth and seamless as possible. So the more work we can do while we have control over the manuscript, the faster, easier, and more streamlined the process is going to be down the road. So we are going to take it on ourselves to get an editor. Now, if we are self-publishing, this is a must because somebody's got to edit this thing before it goes out the door. Of your three kinds of editing, copy editing, line editing, and developmental editing, I, for my clients, do a mix of developmental and line editing. It's more intensive. It takes things more apart. It, I think, leads to a better caliber of writer down the road, but it does take more time and is more intensive than somebody who's doing some copy editing, which is functionally what went on with your English classes in school with just the red pen of doom and circling words and highlighting some things and calling it a day. Now, you you can get away with farming out your copy editing. You can even manage some copy editing by yourself if you're diligent. But that deeper level of line or developmental editing really benefits from getting someone who's not you to do it. A professional here is ideal. And if you're looking for one, hi, you're listening to one right now. Do feel free to leave a comment down below and I'd be super happy to like walk you through the process or talk to you about how to do it or what it involves or any questions you might have. Just leave a comment down below. But you're going to get this thing developmentally edited or line edited or at least looked at by a professional rather than, you know, trying to slap around and do it yourself or farm it off to two of your friends who you swear can do it. Because while, yes, they could, it, I, I want to compare it to a plumber. Sure, your sink might be leaking, and you might own a wrench, and you might feel like, ah, I don't want to pay the plumber, and I think I can fix it myself. And there's a chance that, yes, you could. But if the problem is more than just a drip, if the problem is a clog or something substantial, or you've cracked a pipe or stripped a nut, or it requires some kind of greater work, you're going to benefit and you'll be thankful for that professional. So save yourself the potential aggravation and mitigate that risk of, well, maybe it'll, I'll do it myself and maybe not, and bring that pro in early. Also, at least I can speak for myself, I'm with a client for as long as they want. Multiple books, career, long-term planning, and all of that stuff, all the stuff that I'm about to talk about is all kind of something I offer clients in some way, shape, or form, but we'll get there. We'll get there. But for now, just know that we're bringing an editor in on our side to get things cooking. And once it's been edited and once we've applied feedback, the, the story, the file has become technically arguably a manuscript. It doesn't have a cover. We'll get there in a minute. But once it's been edited and it's gone through revision, we have to pick how we're going to publish this. And there are two different ways to publish it. We can publish it ourselves or we can send it off to a traditional publisher. I tend to encourage people to consider more self-publishing, um, not because it's uh, just more expensive or just because whatever, let's stick it to the man, but more like you retain some control and you have greater flexibility and greater options. Whereas in traditional publishing, you're sort of leaving yourself out of a lot of conversations that might benefit you in the long run. It's the same amount of work. It's the same number of steps. It's the same kind of work. However, traditional publishing handles it and you're adjacent to it. Whereas in self-publishing, you're the one handling it. And it comes down to how much control you want to have and how comfortable you are sort of handing the reins to your thing off to somebody else, as well as 
the inflexibility when it comes to things like getting paid because if we decide to go traditional, we are going to need, most likely, some kind of agent, some kind of pimp, some kind of representative on our behalf. Not a lawyer, because they're not lawyers. Not some kind of you know tremendous advocate, just a middle person to help allegedly negotiate a bigger amount of money of which they will take a portion for doing nominally less work than we do. But you're probably going to need an agent, which means if we're going traditional, you're going to need to write a query letter. Now, if you skip this step, you can, some publishers go straight to them. You're still going to need the query letter. It's just 99% of the time, if you're going traditional, there's going to be a push for an agent. You can find agents by simply Googling or checking out social media or referring to like the writer's market book or the agent's market book, which are just big books you can get from Amazon or a bookstore that's like a phone book or a database for agents. You find an agent, you figure out when they're accepting submissions, you write a query letter, and you include with that query letter whatever they're asking for when it comes to publishing. Maybe they want the first five pages, maybe they want an outline, maybe they want a synopsis, maybe they just want a query letter. Who knows? Whatever they're asking for, you give it to them. Now, this process is a lot of sort of vulnerability and risk out on a limb, but it's just all sort of what we have to do and deal with. So you you shop around for an agent. Hopefully, you get one. Now, what that agent is going to do is take your manuscript in full and go through it, comb it one more time with another kind of edit. This edit is generally some combination of copy and line editing, and it's designed to take the story out of your hands, control away from you, and start to turn the manuscript into something more sellable, more sellable than you had in mind, more sellable than maybe you've considered it. And that might, might, not definitely, but might lead to rounding off some corners, cutting some things, adding some things, maybe making big changes, maybe making little changes, maybe just kind of tweaking and questioning and poking things with more sticks. And for a lot of authors, it can feel like they've gone back to the beginning. They haven't entirely, but the process feels very similar in terms of feedback and revisions and deadlines. And now... In traditional publishing, if we've gone through representation, we are on someone else's ticking clock. And if you're the sort of writer who doesn't handle that kind of pressure very well, boy howdy, you've certainly picked uh, maybe not the best avenue for your publication desires. But our agent gets our book in shape and figures out who they're going to sell it to. Uh, this is generally accomplished through email and phone calls, which seems pretty straightforward when I say it like that. It's a wonder why you're going to give them 10% of whatever money you earn just because they're making phone calls and writing emails. But that's neither here nor there. We, we trust our pimp to exploit us to their best ability and help get our book in front of publishers. They're going to try and sell our book for us so that they can profit from us and we get the rest. They're going to take 10%. We get the remainder. The publisher hashes out those details. If... Your agent sells that book to a publisher. What happens is the publisher takes the manuscript, pays you some portion of the advance, not the whole advance, not the whole thing up front. And the advance is basically just an estimation of how much money they think the book is worth. And it's functionally a loan because what you have to do is earn that much money, whatever the advance is, 2000 5000 10000 whatever it might be. 
before you get any money from the sale of your book, you have to pay off this advance. So if they give you $10,000, you're not going to see a profit on your work until you get $10,001 of sales first. So don't, don't get sucked into the big giant dream of, oh my God, they're backing the truck of money up to my house and my life is on easy street. Because while the advance can be life-changing, it doesn't come all at once. And it's going to be parceled out over the course of several days, weeks, months, years, depending on the schedule and the publishing details. You know, we, you'll get some on the day you sign. You'll get some when the book is finalized. And you'll get some when the book is published. Usually split into thirds is your typical advance spread. And how long it is between each third is generally a coin toss. Who knows? It could be six weeks. could be six months. could be eight months. could be... 30 weeks, who knows? You won't know until you try. Now, in that time, once they start paying you out for the advance and things, the uh, publisher has their own editor who's going to do yet another editorial pass or two or three. Now, it's worth pointing out that if we had our stuff professionally edited first, the likelihood of the agent needing to do a lot and the publisher needing to do a lot is pretty slim. There's possibly some bits and twists and pokes and sticks and bells and whistles and little things they'll need to do, put a comma in, change the formatting, you know, hit enter a few more times, whatever it might be. But by and large, the big stuff should be handled already, thus expediting our process. Once it's edited from the publisher's perspective and they mark the manuscript as final, it will go forward into two different things. One, uh, marketing will ramp up. Marketing technically started the second you were signed because publishers love to make an announcement about signing new people. It makes them look, you know, successful. But uh, marketing really kicks off here. Now, let's address the elephant in the room. They are not going to do the marketing for you um, because that's not their job. Their job is just to sell the book and take money and not spend money. Marketing is an afterthought. And if you really want to do a good job earning that money back for that advance, please understand that at least 80% of the marketing is going to fall on you. So hopefully, way back in the writing process, way back in the revising process, throughout this entire journey you've been on, whether you're doing traditional or self-publishing at all, you've been developing some kind of network, friend circle, writing circle, newsletter, email chain, friends in a Discord, friends in a Facebook. You've been growing some kind of audience. Because if you get this far and you don't have a strong audience, a large audience, I mean like triple digits or greater audience, you're really going to struggle and you will become an afterthought for your publisher. Sort of like an, oh, by the way, yeah, there's this book kind of over here off in the margins. And you're not going to receive the full benefit of the publisher's time and attention. It might also lead them to not accept you in the first place. Same is true with an agent. Your numbers matter in terms of potential sales. Oh, look how big their audience could be. That means we can sell to that many people. But at the same time, it's not the be-all, end-all. It's just a very significant pillar for the foundation of your career. And it's something that will grow and evolve over time as you figure out who you are, what you're writing, how you write, etc. Once that's sorted out, the marketing begins in earnest. Who, how do we market this book? What's it look like? What kind of pitch can we create? What kind of campaigns can we make? What kind of cover and title, because that's part of marketing, can we slap on this thing? 
how much is it going to cost to do the title or the cover and every publisher has got a different process for that but functionally it's a series of meetings and you typically are not invited you might get a phone call after the fact saying, hey, we sorted out your cover and we sorted out your title. Here it is. And maybe you get a bit of push. You get a bit of wiggle room or pushback when they drop a title and you're like, I don't like the title. But by and large, the work is no longer yours. They, they bought it. They're just paying you out the, the advance. So they get final say because they're holding your book and they're holding all the progress. If you balk here which a lot of people do, but if you balk here, you are jamming yourself up. That's the downside of all this traditional publishing and the downside of all this gatekeeping. But let's say they make a nice cover. They make a nice title. What's going to happen is the book is then going to migrate to a more expensive sort of level of this process where it goes out into the world for reviews and early draft printing. The book becomes a book. It no longer stays a digital file. It becomes a book, and that book is sent out to reviewers and blogs and YouTube channels and book influencers and famous authors and other writers in the publishing stable and, and all these different things so that they can get pull quotes, pieces of information like, oh, this riveting, you know, riveting tale of woe and lust. Or the best adventure you'll hear all, you know, you'll read all week. Those little quotes we can slap on top of promotional materials. We're looking for some of that. You can solicit some of it, maybe. But the publisher is going to want to do it on a much larger scale, meaning high profile, not necessarily more people. And they're going to want it done pretty quickly because from there they set the release schedule. It had been kicked around prior to the marketing level of publication but by and large this is where things really get finalized if things need to be pushed or shoved or framed or hurried up or this or that the publisher figures out your basic timeline and then the book goes out into the world and again not to beat a dead horse you're gonna have to do all the marketing here because it's not the publisher's job to market the publisher's job is to publish so they're printing the book, but it's up to you to sell the book. And you better sell that book. If you want to make money back from all that advance and stuff, you've got to reach $1 beyond your advance amount in order to make stuff happen. So get to marketing. That's the traditional publishing plan in a nutshell. What if we don't do that? What if we want to put our stuff out ourselves? How do we do that? Well, let's, let's rewind all the way back to, hey, get an editor. Now, I can speak for myself. I can't speak for everybody. I can say as a developmental editor and a writing coach that I'm with my clients no matter what, no matter what they decide to do. And the majority of my clients do ultimately go self-publishing because they want greater control. They want an easier time going forward. They have a lot of different ideas and traditional publishing is filled with gatekeeping that doesn't necessarily let those ideas bloom to their fullest. So you get an editor. And the editor helps you make that book better, gets it into its best shape. From there, you as a self-publisher now, because now we're doing the self-publishing angle, have a few things you want to do. One, you definitely want to track down a cover artist and work out your title. Now, your cover artist can come from anywhere. You can Google some. You can skim through social media. You can look on art spaces and find artists you admire. You can 
find books with covers you like and email the publisher or email the author and ask them who did their cover design. Loads of different ways to find artists, but you're going to find artists and negotiate with them how much it's going to be to make the cover. That can be anywhere from a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars, depending on the medium and the complexity and the timeline and all that stuff. You're hiring an artist, so they're going to make art. With that done and the title in place, you're going to need a layout person. You can do some of this yourself. It's not the end of the world. But as with anything else, as with our previous plumber example, it's often better to bring in a pro. This is going to cost you a couple more hundred dollars just to get the file digitally in its best shape so that you can post it probably to Amazon, but you're not limited to Amazon. You can sell it yourself off your website. You can sell it through some other website like Smashwords or something. You have loads of different places, Payhip, Gumroad, Amazon, loads of different spots. You can sell a file. So you put it out and you start marketing. It's the same marketing we were doing with traditional publishing, only now it's all under your control what you tweet, what you post, where you post, when you post, how you post, all that stuff. We've skipped the part where somebody's going to take 10% of your, you know, advance based on, you know, writing emails and, and making phone calls. We've skipped the part where your book gets held up in a variety of gatekeeping meetings. We've skipped the part where the advance gets broken up into irregular sized chunks that come at who knows when, time, and date. And we are left with sort of this hole, this gap that a lot of authors feel trapped by because they, they want to rush right to the earning part. And it takes time because you need your audience. You need to bring your people to the book. You need to roll that forward, maybe with a pre-order, maybe just sell it loose on the website and tell people, hey, come check out my book. The marketing is critical for that because... Hopefully, you've got enough money to pay off your artist, pay off your editor, pay off your layout person, and then pay yourself. But it's almost all at that point post-submissions. No more rejections. Go straight to the consumer. And all that prep work we did, all that editing that, that happened, the, the revisions, the beta readers, everything turns the file into a manuscript and the manuscript into a book, whether we're printing physical copies or just digital copies, whether we are publishing traditionally and farming out some of the manufacture and inventory and all that stuff to somebody else, the marketing is still going to be your thing. And I know I'm stressing it. I know I'm clubbing you over the head with it a bit, but I can't begin to tell you how critical it is because especially when you're self-publishing, if you're not talking to people about the book and making it available, how are they supposed to know how to buy it? That's the submissions process. That's the basic writing process. For nuts and bolts and particulars on how to write better, well, that's what the podcast is for. Search anywhere you get podcasts for John Helps You Write Better, and you'll get some stuff. Feel free to read more on the blog, johnhelpsyouwritebetter.medium.com, or come over to Substack and see even more details, johnhelpsyouwritebetter.substack.com. And I've got loads of different tools, loads of different techniques, loads of different stuff to offer you. So I hope this answered your question. Thank you so much for hearing me out. I hope this gets you thinking. And if you need more details, just come ask. I'll be right here. I look forward to your comments down below, and I will talk to you very, very soon. See ya.